Protect the Rock is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts. And because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. You know, Clemson is poised here to get to the postseason, have some big games. This is the app that you're going to want to find the lowest price possible in the best seats possible. So check out GameTime. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. And we're going to enjoy this tonight, but on Friday, we're going to have another team meeting and we're going to get locked in on next year. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Protect the Rock, the Clemson podcast. As always, I'm Nicole Auerbach. She's Grace Rayner, and it is ACC Championship Week. We have made it to the postseason. We have. Man, it feels like I haven't talked to you in forever because of Thanksgiving, too. I know. I'm thankful for you and our friendship. I mean, we've talked, obviously, just not in this setting. (laughs) This is true. This is true. Um, We have also shared food of our photos of our Thanksgiving (laughs) Meals because we share a lot of photos of our food, which is we do. We were both very involved in the turkey this year, and I must say, I'm quite proud. Well, I I, I kind of feel like I'm ready next year for a friendsgiving to attempt a turkey. I'm just saying. Yeah, same, same. Should I, I mean, should I come down to Greenville? Should we Should we do a friendsgiving? You honestly really should. I got I have a good pork tenderloin recipe now Ooh. too. We are just just you know getting more domestic by the day. I'm very really proud are. of us. I am very too. proud of. Um, let's talk actual football, though. Um, you covered, obviously, a big rivalry game, but not the most compelling game of the weekend. There was no one diving into the hedges, rushing the field, none of that happening uh, because Clemson did what Clemson has been doing for about six weeks now, which is just blowing everybody out. Uh, 12-0, and finished the regular season perfect, heading into an ACC championship game against Virginia Heavy favorites once again. Everyone is expecting Clemson to roll, be undefeated, um, heading into the final college football playoff rankings. Probably going to be three, unless I guess if Georgia beats LSU, probably slide up to two there in those final rankings. Um, and and all Davos when he wants to talk about is how apparently no one thinks Clemson is good. Walk me through <laughs> what his latest rants and messaging are right now. Yeah, so after Clemson dismantled South Carolina, as we all knew they would, we went to Dabo's post-game press conference, and I actually missed the rant live, like in real time, because uh, some of the coordinators had come out. I wanted to go talk to Jeff Scott, Tony Elliott. So I leave the room, and then all of a sudden, I get back up to the press box, and everyone's like, so did you hear what Dabo said about Georgia and the playoff and sort of the mini tangent that he went on. And then I very quickly got caught up to speed. Um, But essentially, Dabo was asked on Saturday after Clemson beat South Carolina how important this game was from a national standpoint. And he had sort of launched into, well, if we lose this game, they're going to kick us out of the playoff because they don't want us in there anyway. We would drop to number 20. He then starts talking about, Georgia obviously loses to South Carolina. Clemson beats North Carolina, who beats South Carolina. And he still believes that the narrative is how we get Clemson out. 
So yeah, Davo is, I don't, I don't, I think this is a motivational thing. I think it's a, a get your guys fired up tactic. I don't think anyone at Clemson actually believes that people genuinely do not want to see them in the playoff as you wrote well, he, earlier okay. this week. So here, here is the thing. There's two points here, right? Like one, he is right that they would drop considerably if they lost a game on their schedule, right? Because like they're not playing ranked teams. Right. But his point that nobody wants to see them play off is wrong. Cause I think like I've seen so many people tweet. I've heard so many people talk about how they would love to see Clemson play LSU or they would love to see Clemson play Ohio oh, State. Sure. We, we have talked about that. Like people really want to see this team in the playoff. Like people. <laughs> so like that part, I don't know where he's coming from on that point there. I mean, maybe it's just based off of like being at number five in the first rankings, which didn't matter. And they were clearly slid up the next week. Like, I don't know where that part's coming from. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any college football fan in the country that would say, oh, no, we don't want to see Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow. We don't want to see Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. I mean. Right. Right. We all want to. We all want to. Does Do people want to see Clemson, Alabama again? Maybe not, but it's not going to happen. So Here, here's a question for you, actually, about that. So obviously there was Clemson, Alabama fatigue last year, probably the last two times they've met. There's that Clemson, Alabama fatigue. Is there Clemson fatigue if Alabama's not in the playoff? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's Clemson fatigue. I think there's fatigue nationwide about Clemson still playing the underdog card. I do think there's some fatigue there. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Dabo was asked last year after they beat Alabama if Clemson could be considered a dynasty yet, and he said no. Uh, I, I think after – I mean, we talked about this a yeah, while ago. Yeah, that's we, the only word that you could really use for what Clemson's doing, so we will use it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that there's fatigue because I think the nationwide people still – like Clemson, I think they're still kind of a new commodity. I mean, when they won in 16, it was the first time they had won since 1981. This is not one of – when you think of the Blue Bloods across the sport, historically, you know, Clemson doesn't immediately come off the tongue. I don't know. What do you think? Well, it's not necessarily like a Blue Blood, but, I mean, we're certainly their mainstay in the playoff. Like, they haven't made it every year like Alabama did because Florida State did that first year. Um, But I I don't know. I mean, to me – when you talk about Alabama and Clemson fatigue, the fatigue is really like Alabama's dynasty, Nick Saban, rat poison, like this, this like machine type thing that they're not having fun winning these games. And like, it's just methodical. And, And I feel like there's still an energy around Clemson that is fun and interesting and new and fresh. And, um, you still have that. And, and maybe even more so this year, because, We've talked about this. Like, I don't think a lot of people nationally are watching Clemson. Um, and and partially that is because of their own fault. Like, they are blowing people out in the first quarter now. So there's really no need to watch these full games. Um, and, and I wrote this week that they're kind of the opposite of appointment TV. So I, I kind of wonder if, like, the fact that they're a little bit fresh and new to people because they haven't been watching them all year, because they haven't been in marquee games, can actually help them a little bit because they kind of are – a new team to pay attention to. Like, we've watched a lot of Ohio State. We've watched a lot of LSU. True. And we have not watched a lot of Clemson. Um, so, I, I don't know. To me, the fatigue is is very different than Alabama. And I also think there's a level of fatigue where it's the same matchup every year. Sure. Where it's, like, the coaches and their chess match and, you know, the, the similar players or the same quarterbacks, whatever it is. 
um, which will be different. So I, I, I don't think it's quite there. I don't think people are tired of Clemson yet. But I will say the reaction to Dabo's comments about, like, little old Clemson, you know, like trying to say that people don't are rooting against them, don't like them, like has been – I mean, he was roundly mocked by a lot of people for that because you can't do that anymore. Like that's a part of, like, fatigue. Like we're tired of Dabo trying to play that card. Like that is a real fatigue thing. Yeah, I mean, I think we all know that Clemson has very firmly arrived, and there is no question about that. I even asked, you know, it kind of came up again this week as we headed into the AC Championship, and we were talking to Kayvon Wallace, the Clemson senior safety, and he had kind of said the same thing about, you know, someone asked him about this defense holding opponents to fewer than 300 yards in every regular season game this year. And he even said kind of the same thing. Well, you know, the media doubted this defense, and the media doubted us going into the season. So I finally just kind of was like, what do you mean by that? The media voted you <laughs> preseason number one, you know? Um, right. And, he and to his credit, he was really thoughtful about it. I mean, he, he kind of hesitated at first and was like, I don't want to get into it because I don't want my words to get misconstrued. Uh, but then from there, he kind of launched into, well, you know, I'm a senior now and we haven't lost a game since I was a sophomore and we're still ranked number three. And um, he said he understood it with LSU because they've got some big wins. He doesn't seem to be super sold on Ohio State. He said they had a couple of good wins, um, but he I don't know. He just uh, it, it seems like it also seems like there's this divide between like, OK, is Clemson mad at the media or are they mad at the college football playoff committee? Because these are not the right. same thing. Right. And and I think we, we have addressed this like that number five ranking was perfect from a motivational standpoint, from a psychological standpoint. It's done exactly what we thought it would. And and it does seem like there is a legitimate chip on the shoulder element to say from that, even though they haven't been number five since that first one. But they do seem to be conflating it with everyone, which, like you said, they were the preseason number one for the first time ever. Um, Vegas obviously has a ton of respect for them. If you look at these spreads, everyone's been saying since – what, halfway through the season they were going to go undefeated and make the playoff? Like, I mean, there really hasn't been any of that. But, um, you know, coaches are masters at manipulating situations to motivate. And that's clearly what's happening here, especially if the players are parroting this stuff. Yeah, and, like, that's their – I mean, they have every right to do that. I understand that they're, they've got a prerogative and maybe it's different than the rest of ours. I mean, I don't – I'm not saying they don't have a right to be the underdog. They can say whatever the heck they want. Uh, but they, it, it just, it just felt like, I don't know this week. I was just like, okay, I'm going to push back on this a little bit just because if you're, yeah. you know, if you're going to say this, I'm, I'm going to say, well, tell me why you feel this way. Right. It's kind of like fact checking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. So, I mean, so we'll here, he, here's, um, here's another thing. So coming into the ACC championship game, um, a lot of people have probably rightly just been saying, I mean, it's basically the right to get clobbered by Clemson. Like when you win the Coastal, you have, you're going to get beat by Clemson in the title game. That's just kind of what happens. Um, can you give me, paint me a scenario that's not a blowout for this game with Virginia? Like a situation in which Virginia keeps it close? Yes. Um... I mean, there was a lot of talk at Clemson this week about Bryce Perkins. Obviously, he's I, – I don't know. I mean, 
do we think he's the most mobile quarterback Clemson has seen? I think probably. I'm trying to think of Prob- who, who, who uh, else they've probably. seen. Um, I think he's the best quarterback they've seen since Sam Howell at North Carolina by far. And much more experienced, obviously. Yeah. I mean, Howell's terrific, but still a freshman. Sure. Yeah, so if that's, uh, if, if that's going to be the formula, I think Perkins needs to go off. I think Clemson would need to turn the ball over early, which we obviously have not seen them do in a while. Trevor hasn't thrown an interception since the Louisville game in mid-October. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Clemson is a team that just buries you right towards the end of the second quarter and the beginning of the third. So if, you, if, if, if you're in trouble in that, what Clemson refers to as the middle eight, uh, you're done. So I think it needs momentum early. Clemson turn the ball over. Everything go perfectly for Virginia and everything go horribly for Clemson. Yeah, I think the turnovers thing is huge um, because clearly Clemson is is really good at protecting the ball right now. I mean, Trevor Lawrence's interceptions are a thing of the past. They are plus 11 in turnover margin. This time last year heading into the postseason, only plus one. So, you know, Brent Venables and this defense are doing a great job of yeah, that's remarkable. Know, forcing opportunities and then making the most of them. Um, so it is going to be fascinating um, to see really if anyone can provide some resistance. And, and I mean, we say that all year, and this year it's this week it's Virginia's job to try to do that. But Bryce Perkins really is a great quarterback. Um, you know, you've heard a lot of defensive coordinators talk about that this season, the latest being Bud Foster, who, you know, kind of hypes him up all week as such a big challenge. And then you saw what he did in the Commonwealth Cup. For Virginia to get that, you know, monkey off their back, get to the title game, complete the coastal circle, which, as you know, was my favorite part of the weekend. Congratulations, seven to you. different. Thank you. You did text me. I got like texts from like five people congratulating me personally on the coastal having seven different champions in seven years. I felt really honored because I really will this have into no existence. personal ties <laughs> to any of these schools. Like I did not go to any of the coastal schools. I did not grow up in any of the areas near them. <laughs> But I have this fascination, this love for them, uh, and Lauren Brownlow and I, I think, did will this into existence. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was immediately. I mean, obviously, you tweeted in all caps, and I was very happy for you in the moment. But I was like, I just feel like she's really probably soaking this in pretty hard right now. <laughs> so there were actually like that tweet about that. I think like seven thousand people liked it. So I really, oh my think gosh, that <laughs> chaos theory can really bridge and bring people together that's my new it's my new message about the coastal i'm into it your brand is so strong you're like between the nancy <laughs> drew and the memes and that kind of stuff and now coastal connoisseur you gotta yeah go i don't really i i don't know why anyone would bother trying to have a brand if it's not these topics really. <laughs> like what's what's the point what's the point seriously there's none <laughs> um okay back to football for a quick second um you voted all ACC selections um how many Clemson players are going to be on the all ACC first team because in the preseason it was basically half of Clemson's roster um is it going to end up all the usual suspects as well with the postseason I would expect so yes I mean just looking at my own vote uh Trevor Lawrence was my first team quarterback Travis Etienne was my first team running back I had T Higgins as a first team wide receiver I'm like going through it all now. Um, Tremaine Ankrum, I put on the offensive tackle list. I put John Simpson as my number one offensive guard. Gage Cervanka is also on that list. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, and then my my player of the year, I put Travis 
quarterback of the year, I put, oh, I already said that, Trevor. Basically, yeah, Isaiah Simmons was my defensive player of the year. Like, Clemson could, in good conscience, nominate its entire team, its entire first team, and it not be ridiculous. Did you notice that Isaiah got a third-place vote in our Heisman straw poll this week? I think that that's really interesting. I mean, I actually really considered – I, I really did go back and forth on whether or not I wanted to vote Travis or Isaiah as my player of the year. I think I think he has a really strong case, and we've talked about him in the Heisman before. I think that's interesting. Yeah, and, and I just think, you know, he's kind of getting a little overshadowed. I mean, first off, I love that defensive players are getting this type of spotlight nationally this year with you have Chase Young and Derek Brown. But Isaiah Simmons is almost getting a little bit overlooked because of those two guys um, and because they've been in, you know, these marquee games and all of that. But I really think that – you know, Isaiah Simmons is up there. We, we we had Ralph Russo of the AP on our pod. He was making the case for voting for all of these guys and basically just having Joe Burrow and a bunch of defensive <laughs> players in New York for the Heisman. Um, but I, I, he really has had a sensational year. He could definitely be – I mean, he is in these national, you know, defensive player of the year conversations, um, linebacker of the year, like all of these things, ACC, DPOY, like all of these things – um, he is rightfully in the mix for. Um, so I just thought it was interesting that he made the Heisman straw poll, even, you know, just the one vote. But, um, you know, still really interesting. And, you know, it, it's going to be um, it's going to be fascinating to see how some of these awards fall. I mean, we know where the Heisman's going, but we don't know who the finalists are going to be. Um, we, you know, we we've talked a lot about Trevor Lawrence's season and kind of, you know, kind of a tale of two halves. Um, you know, if he's ACC quarterback of the year, start first team quarterback, like, you know, again, I mean, I just think there are certain things that narratives were set early that have really shifted the closer you pay attention, the more you watch Clemson and the rest of the ACC. Um, And to me, it's just fascinating how how all of that ultimately shakes out once you kind of take that step back and, and stop overreacting from like, you know, September when, you know, the season changes, teams get better, quarterbacks stop making um, mistakes and certain decisions and make their reads better and are more accurate in the immediate intermediate passing game and all of these things as the season goes on. Right. I mean, Trevor even talked about this this week. He, I mean, he put it pretty, I thought, succinctly and pretty wisely. He basically was like, the better I play, the better this team plays. So, you know, last year I did a really good job not turning the ball over. This year, obviously had some picks early, but yeah, I mean, I think going into the season, we all figured Trevor would probably be the first team quarterback. And and I do think Sam Howe will probably get some votes. I don't know that it'll be completely unanimous that Trevor's the first team all-AC quarterback, but um, yeah, I mean, I think would be pretty surprised if he wasn't. Absolutely. And and Sam Howell is going to be a star. We've, we've talked about this a lot. Like he's going to be a big problem in the ACC. He is. You know, the next couple of years for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, right now, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I know he said that he's playing the best that he has all season and, and it's very clear and the numbers back that up. My eyes back that up when you watch him. Right. Um, he's certainly doing that. It's also another number that jumped out at me when I was writing about basically my, my analysis this week was like, Hey guys, uh, Clemson's really good in case you haven't been watching and they might be better than they were at this point last year when they won a national championship, just like FYI for those who want to sound smart. And one of the stats that jumped out at me was how many receivers they have that are averaging more than a first yard per catch. And that T Higgins at the end of the regular season is averaging 20 yards per reception, which is just 
crazy. I mean, we know he's been responsible for so many big plays, but that is an astounding number to average after 12 games. It really is. And I think that probably what makes this maybe a little overlooked is because it is so routine now. You know, I mean, it's just Trevor and T link up for these huge chunk plays and you're like, oh, holy cow. But, you know, I I don't know. I mean, it's just some of the allure of it kind of goes away when they're doing it at the rate that they are, which is probably not fair to them. But I don't know. It's just it seems like par for the course. You just look up and, okay, there's Trevor hitting T for 65 yards and a touchdown. Right. I mean, and T. Higgins wasn't even a finalist for the Blitnikoff, which is just kind of – I mean, there are some crazy receivers out there this year for sure. Um, but I think you're right that we just kind of always take for granted that Clemson has these receivers just kind of coming through its pipeline. Um, you know, they call themselves wide receiver U, and they have a claim to that. Um, but I definitely think that we have taken for granted some of the crazy plays that T. has done, Justin Ross has done – um, you know, Joseph and Gata, like all of these guys that are, you know, he's clearly the next, you know, great Clemson receiver, like all of these, um, crazy catches, the fact that Trevor can throw 50, 50 balls and they're really not 50, 50 balls they're like 75, 25 balls. Um, it's just crazy. And so I, I just think, you know, whoever is not noticing these things like national awards or whatever, which again, this is something that Dabo is frustrated about and I get it. That Trevor, I get and, this part. Yeah, Travis. Yeah, like Travis not being a Doak Walker finalist. Like I get that's legitimately frustrating. Yeah, that's Again, pretty I crazy. Think a lot of this, yeah. a lot of this just comes down to people not watching them. I think. I, I really think. Um, yeah, I think so too. And that I think and, he has a gripe for. I mean, that's fair. Yes, You're vote, you should it, watch. agreed. Well, and to me, an uh, in, in apt comparison um, is is Christian McCaffrey's Heisman year. I, I think that that year, I want to say over half of their games started at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time, um, and people didn't watch him. And it was a little bit different. Like, Clemson's games are obviously during the day, and people can watch them, but they're not competitive, um, or people watch them when they struggled, so they kind of wrote them off. Whatever the reasons are, people are not watching in the same way that people did not watch Stanford when Christian McCaffrey was there. Like, enough people were not watching. Um, and it affects how these national awards go. So that is a fair gripe. I, I just think that Dabo's gripe that like people don't want to see them, don't want them to play better competition, don't want them in the playoff. That's the part that's not fair. But the other stuff very much is. Um, and I think that, you know, I have tried to push it out there like, hey, this is a really great team. And I, I really think that people have come around on that. I think that when they talk about the great teams in college football, it is Ohio State, LSU and Clemson. I don't yeah. know that that necessarily means they could just like not show up and lose to Virginia and still make the playoff. That's a different conversation, but um, it, it's definitely going to be reflected in the awards and the way things are talked about nationally that they really weren't appointment TV because they were putting their foot on the gas right in the first quarter. And a lot of these games weren't close. So, um, you know, it's kind of like a double edged sword for Clemson fans. It is, yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, if you're voting for a national award, you have a responsibility to watch the games. And I think that that's probably unfair that, you know, Travis doesn't play much in the fourth quarter. And so it's easy to just look at some stats and Mm -hmm. think, oh, okay, well, you know, he's not one of the best running backs in the country. So, yeah, I'm with you. Dabo has a a legitimate complaint there. Um, I think these voters probably do need to watch some of these games. But, yeah, I mean – yeah. I think as we get down the stretch, people, as you said, are more convinced that 
yes, Clemson very firmly belongs in this conversation. Also, speaking of awards, is th- this is your first year being a Heisman voter, right? This is my first year voting with the Athletic. I voted on. Um, oh, okay. Uh, I can't remember when I started. Oh, my first year I think was the year that uh, Baker Mayfield won. Okay, I'm also a Heisman voter. I'm very okay. excited. We need to get the female. Yeah, it is kind of cool up. though. People. It is. People, people, Oh my gosh, I know. Yeah, do we know what it is? It's probably very, very low. <laughs> I don't want to know, actually. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I want to know either. It's probably single digits, which is incredibly <laughs> depressing. It is, it is. Um, all right, well, let's wrap up for, for today. Um, it is a Monday. We always give out roses. We are actually getting really close to The Bachelor being back in season, which oh, yay. is basically the saving grace of the offseason because it starts right after the national championship game. Um, so, Grace, this could be a season accumulation award. This could be um, just based off the South Carolina game. But who would you like to give your rose to this week? I am going – I'm going to go Trevor Lawrence. I just feel like he's been – you know, this is the time of year, obviously, where the chatter kind of heats up. And I feel like Trevor has been incredibly steady, like very down the middle, has not got too high or too low. Obviously, he did what he did to South Carolina. So I'm going Trevor Lawrence. And then also my dude, Reality Steve, since The Bachelor's coming out, <laughs> I slid into his DMs a few weeks ago. I told him I was a big fan of his work. He responded, The Bachelor's coming up. So uh, it's a dual rose for Trevor Lawrence and my dude, Steve. Oh, my God. Of course, you wanted to work Reality Steve into our show. Of course. Seriously, I cannot believe that I slid into his DMs. That's something I would never, ever do. Well, I encouraged And then he responded, and-, <laughs> and he reads The Athletic. Yes, that was actually the best part. But I did encourage you to slide into that DM. And you did, did encourage respond. it. <laughs> and he did respond. You did. Um, you did. Okay, my rose is a season wide rose for Travis Etienne. We've just talked about um, how he is being overlooked for some of the national awards. I personally think he should be a Doak Walker finalist. I think he should be in the conversation as a Heisman finalist, and he is not either. Um, Again, part of that is fourth quarters, but I just think he's the best running back in the country at, um, you know, after contact. And that is a huge deal. He is great at breaking off big plays. Um, So I will just give him, you know, my rose as a uh, just kind of, you know, a a consolation prize, I guess, for not being a Heisman finalist. I mean, they're definitely equivalent. So um, he will (laughs) get my rose. um, And if we're if we're giving roses out to people connected to Bachelor Nation, we've talked about him on the pod. We're trying. We're efforting. Tyler Cameron. Congratulations. Efforting. (laughs) FAU. Actually made it to the Conference USA Championship game. That is his uh, second alma mater to Wake Forest. Um, mm. So shout out to Tyler Cameron and the Owls and Lane Kiffin. Um, and yes, we are still efforting. It now is in the form of continuing to message. He did respond to my DMs a couple times, but continuing to message to try to get him to come on a podcast in the Athletic Network. Um, still efforting. Still efforting. I yeah, a big big fan. People would – oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? People would lose their minds if we had Tyler on our there podcast. Is, well, our coworkers would lose their minds. They would That's true. be we, very, I mean, very jealous. We'd be <laughs> the coolest people at The Athletic for sure that week. We would. We would. Um, well, those are the roses for this Monday. Um, we will be back on Thursday for a bonus episode for subscribers only inside The Athletic app. You can look for it there. We'll have a little more on the ACC Championship preview 
Um, and more now that we are getting into the postseason uh, championship season, as Clemson and their players would say. So thank you so much for listening to Protect the Rock, the Clemson podcast from The Athletic. She's Grace Rayner. I'm Nicole Auerbach. If you like us, please rate and review us. Um, share us with your friends, and we will talk to you again on Thursday. Thursday.